Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by TunnelBear. TunnelBear is the simple VPN app that makes it easy to browse privately and enjoy a more open internet. You can try TunnelBear for free by visiting tunnelbear.com slash CanadaLand. And this episode is also brought to you by Sock Club. You can find me in the club, Sock Club. Uh, I'm very sorry, but it is actually very pleasant to receive a new pair of socks in the mail every month. This holiday season, Sock Club is delivering the perfect gift experience, quality American-made socks. Go to SockClub.com, get 15% off using the discount code CanadaLand at checkout. Give Sock Club this holiday season. Colin Horgan. Hello. Toronto-based journalist. Yes. Founding editor. And creator. And sole staff member. Uh, I, if I have a staff, yes, of Article Magazine. Of Article yes. Magazine. And yes. uh, full disclaimer. Yep. Former Trudeau speechwriter. Okay. Yep. Welcome back to Candle and Shortcuts. Thank you. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to you by Joel Grink, Rosemary Westwood, Jenna Ganem Khaled, Sabrina Natarajan, Danan Sloan, Roxanne Hudon, Marcella de Jong, and Catherine Janicki. Catherine, why did you decide to be awesome? Because I think it's important to analyze not just the content of the news and media, but how and why it's produced. And Canada Land does a great job of blending the two. This episode is also brought to you by Tunnel Bear. Tunnel Bear are back because it is December, and for many Canadians, that means the holidays are on the horizon. That means you're probably traveling or away from home. You're using weird, sketchy Wi-Fi. You do not know whose servers your stuff is passing through. You need to anonymize that stuff if you're going to be doing any banking or if you are at all concerned about online security. Fortunately, Tunnel Bear can secure your internet connection no matter where you go. Just download the app on your laptop, tablet, or phone, turn it on, and your little bear tunnels to another internet connection somewhere else in the world, a completely secure encrypted connection, the strongest level of encryption available. And for listeners of this podcast, you can try it for free. Go to tunnelbear.com slash CanadaLand, and until the end of January, CanadaLand listeners will get 20% off when they go from the free plan. If you need more bandwidth beyond what you get for free, 
put in the offer code CANADALAND. When you sign up for the Grizzly plan, you'll get 20% off. Again, you can try this all out for free right now at tunnelbear.com slash CANADALAND. Colin, I want to start. There's like, you know, a dozen stories of incredible importance in the news cycle this week or more. And yet I really feel like it's important to dig deep down into this incident that flared up a couple of days ago between Ezra Levant mm. and a young journalist named Haley Germain. Mm. And I think a lot of people would consider that terrible folly, terrible editorial judgment to give this this attention. But I don't think so. I think that this actually requires a lot of attention. Well, tell me what happened. So the context for this is that the rebel has increasingly been operating as a political movement, as, as an organizer of these rallies in Alberta against the Notley government. And uh, they recently had one that was uh, somewhere between 1,000, 1,100 people, he claims, uh, in, in, a, in a hotel conference room where they were protesting the Notley carbon tax. There was a lot of media there. A local AM talk station sent a young reporter named Haley Germain, who I think is also in school. I mm -hmm. think she's finishing up her post-secondary education. Yep. And she later talked about the experience on Rob Breckenridge's show. And here's a little bit about how she described it. Well, we talked earlier in the program about this anti-carbon tax rally yesterday here in Calgary. About a thousand or so people turned out for this at the Western Hotel. And Ayla Germain was there covering the rally yesterday. And at one point, it obviously got into some concerning territory. One speaker went on stage and he pointed back to all the media, singling us all out. There was multiple outlets there. Um, and essentially said that we don't care about Albertans and we only care about Kim Kardashian getting robbed and people were glaring and booing and it was just it just it made us all feel a little uncomfortable at which point I went into the hallway where I stayed for the majority of the the rally I was standing there kind of looking around um and a man walked up to me he got very close to me he looked me directly in the eye and said you're dead okay so that's a little bit of how she put it and essentially uh, to my ear what we heard there is a reporter just saying what happened right um I have no reason to believe and I I, I don't even find it credible to, that, that she would fabricate this encounter with the guy in the hallway. Right. That is the the allegation that Ezra Levant made. He seized mm -hmm. upon this. Now, I think that she sounds a lot more professional and a lot more like she's doing her job as a reporter in that clip. Her tweets were a little bit more offhand. I think that what, what happened, uh, as I read it, is that, you know, she's a young reporter. She's been covering a number of things. And here she is at this event where all of a sudden the room gets whipped up into a frenzy against the media. Right. And she's the media. Right. And I can only imagine how that feels. I think that was probably a new experience to her. And her tweets were a bit more expressive of the emotion mm -hmm. she felt of being the target or being felt to be the target. Um, and she said that she received death threats, plural, which... Uh, is in a, a possible inconsistency with the story that she would later tell that was also seized upon. As soon as she's out with these tweets that she received threats, Ezra just clamps down. Right. Ezra Levant. Ezra Levant. Clear. Yeah. The rebel commander. Correct. Yes. He first goes after her on Twitter. Yep. Uh, and then he, he basically launches a full-scale Ezra campaign against this young reporter. I'll play you a little bit about the, he, he made one of his videos mm -hmm. where he describes this event, and here's what that sounded like. But then look at this tweet she wrote. Ready? She said, but I got death threats. You're a reporter, Haley, and you have a recording device, a microphone, and a camera on your cell phone. 
Even if you missed the death threat when it happened, you didn't then take out your phone and take a picture of the suspect? The room was enclosed. There were bright lights. You could have walked up to one of a dozen cops and security guards. Her story is full of holes. I don't buy it. It doesn't add up. I've written to her. I've promised to set up a meeting with hotel security to go through the videos. I'm offering a $1,000 bounty. You know what the worst of this is? There actually are men in society who threaten women. And we should actually listen to women who make complaints. We should investigate. It's tough to come to any conclusion besides the one that the media are lying. Haley Germain is lying. AM 770 News Talk in Calgary is lying. And they just want to smear unemployed Albertans. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he, <laughs> I, he issues a fatwa, like a rebel fatwa, where he... He registers her name as a URL, HaleyGermain.com, right. yep. and it links to all of his coverage of her where he calls her a liar, that she smeared these poor Albertans. But he's do it's different than that, right? Like, he's not necessarily issuing a fatwa against her. It's it, to, be, to his credit, it's a bit more cunning than that, right? Like, he has, he has circumvented the, like, direct attack. Oh, and, yeah. And, 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 chain, and, like, created a whole new narrative around this story. You know, I mean... Think of you what think of him what you may. It's sort of impressive. It's very sophisticated, yes, actually, because yes. uh, there's this level. It's very of, confusing. It's this level of irony, and that was his response. I, I got in there. I was seeing the response that Hilly Germain was getting. Right. Uh, some of the tweets: lying, scum sucking. I hope you fail your exams. Uh, liar, like <sighs> you know, and, and you know, just to deal with the facts. But like you know, he he's like, hey, I'm just dealing with the facts here. If there was a death threat, why didn't you tell a cop? Right. Where there were so many cameras there, why why, why didn't a camera pick it up? Yeah. That is simply not. A credible counter. The, the, the well, it's like it's like a woman saying I was sexually assaulted on the street, and you saying, "Well, why didn't you find a police officer that was nearby? Police are everywhere. What's wrong with you?" Yeah, and 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 he's, his his other side of it. Well, I offered to make the, the footage available to her. Why right. didn't she come and go through it and try to pick out the person? Yeah. You can hear her very clearly on the show saying, "Look, this guy came up to me after he'd been riled up against the media, said you're dead, and then continued on." with his anti-media screed. And it was unclear to her whether, like, that's that also is a little bit, like, right. you guys in the media are dead, the media is dying, or you're dead. She made the decision that she didn't want to take this up with the cops, and that's her right to do so. Mm -hmm. And and this is being used as proof that it's a lie. So the idea is that she's, like, a duplicitous, like, if you really watch that full Ezra thing, it is 14 minutes yeah. of invective directed at one young individual all with this conceit that she represents the mainstream media who hate you. And this is also something that Ezra has said. The mainstream media hate you. Yeah. They have, obviously he's got a an economic interest in whipping up these, uh, whoever it is that would, you know, take this seriously. But quite frankly, having worked in the media and in government, it, it always baffles me a little bit when people are convinced that a mass conspiracy like this <laughs> would take place. Like, is it, did the media send a student reporter, like the, the media, like, thought police, did they send a student reporter to this, you know, one rally to make sure that she cooks up a death threat? To make, like, it is beyond insane. You can get into it if you want to if, if you want to see things through their perspective. They've been going through her history of tweets, right. trying to pluck out things that show that she's like a social justice warrior, snowflake, that she was uh, victim signaling. They're, they basically, these ideologies and these epithets, this this language of it is sort of self-fulfilling. If you're looking yeah. for the evidence of it, you find it. Yeah. And I think it's more than just an economic incentive. And uh, there's something larger here and really disturbing that I, I don't want to laugh off. I got into it with, with Ezra. 
there's this disassembly of truth itself. They come back, well, then where's the proof? Where's the evidence? She's a reporter. Right. So we're at a point now where if a reporter goes to an event and witnesses something with their own eyes mm-hmm. and tells you what they saw, mm-hmm. then a legitimate response is, well, where's the proof? So and, journalists need to wear body cameras is what you're saying. Yeah, there were now cops who, you know, and, and that and that Lauren Southern was coming back with, with, with me with that, like, well, I have video evidence. I'm like, yeah, you go to rallies to videotape yourself inciting people to, uh, you know, to shout you down. And, right. then, and then that's what you report on are incidents that you make happen. So yes, you're, that's going to be caught on video. I want to be very clear-eyed about this pattern. I think that it, it's a real mistake to laugh off. Yeah, I mean, I would agree Ezra with you. Ezra and Lauren Southern. Yeah, you look, know? like these, uh, you know, Ezra is a, he has a huge audience. For that fact alone, we need to pay attention to what he's saying and how he says it and what arguments he's making. And, I mean, the media is consistently accused of making the mistake of, of doing exactly that, brushing off people that, not that they disagree with, but that who hold ideas that are, um, somewhat outside of the current mainstream, let's say. Well, let's just call it what it is. This is a tactic that we just saw play out to a disastrous end with, with Trump. And, I, and I, I have these flashbacks of seeing Trump sitting there at the correspondence dinner. And as Obama rips on him, yeah. he sits there and we made fun of him yeah. as he sat there not smiling. Yeah. Not going to give them like, yeah, I'm in on the joke. Yeah, you can make fun of me. Just looks, he looked like a petulant child. Yeah. And he's like, you can, you can have your fun today. And in this context, by your rules, mm-hmm. I'm the clown. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to take this sneering derision you mm-hmm. have towards me, and I am going to weaponize it against you. Absolutely. Look, I mean, there is to some extent derision in the way that things like the rebel rallies are covered. It happens. It happens because people go and they go like, I don't know how to handle this, and I'm not really sure what I'm seeing. So I'm going to use this the first uh, available emotion, which is kind of like, wow, this is weird. And Twitter, unfortunately, amplifies that emotion to uh, to make it sort of reflect or seem like it's reflecting a genuine, you know, feeling, whereas it's a trite kind of pithy medium and that's what it's going to generate. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the coverage of these events, I think, you know, I mean, again, like everyone's going to think that I'm biased, but I, I would say that they're fairly balanced, like. The coverage, for example, let's say Chris Alexander, who is the conservative MP who's running for former former conservative MP who's running for leadership. Uh, the week before, he'd been in a, at a different rebel rally in Edmonton. Lock her up. Yeah, and lock when the chant up. "Lock her up" began, he didn't stop it and he didn't join in. Um, but the initial tweets and videos about that did slightly misconstrue his reaction. But if you looked at the coverage of it later, a day or you know later in the afternoon or a day or the next day. It was clear, it was made clear that he did not partake in the chant. It was just that he was there and he didn't put an end to it. Now, so he, what I'm he saying- He did more than that, actually. He was pumping his, his arm uh, up and down, was, like conducting, was, like, he, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. Moving his arm, up. he was moving his arm in a circular motion. Whatever that means, I don't know. But the point is that, like, look, the point I'm making is that it was it was presented in, in the coverage afterward as relatively objective. It was not, nobody covered it saying, Chris Alexander was- pumping up the chants and and chanting locker up and making people like scream it, that that didn't happen so the the problem i'm getting around to saying is that like if you approach anything by all the information you're getting is on twitter you're going to have a really weird view of of the media because it's much more uh off the cuff it's not as considered as coverage goes mm-hmm. so yeah if you consume twitter all the time and you think like you know this is this is what reporting is 
then you may have a you may have an inaccurate uh, position on on what on what actual news looks like when it's presented in a paper or in its full format. Yes, does that make sense? It does. I think it's you know this this whole tactic of I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying that like look, I think that this is kind of how it happens. This is how the mentality builds. Well, it, it's it's seizing upon the one grain that yeah. might be used to support your thesis. Right. If your thesis is that, that the mainstream media hates you, absolutely, it's completely um, without context, so you can make your own. Then you can find it right. Yeah. So you know, and, and it, it was observed like uh, I think it was I think Ethan Cox from Ricochet or somebody from Ricochet, if I'm not mistaken, said something to the effect of this deplorable tactic of Ezra's is an effort to silence other journalists who might criticize them. Uh, I, I don't believe that that's true. No. And I, and I think I think Ezra does not care, or rather I think he cares very much. Like, he doesn't, he wants to get the negative press. Sure. He's not trying to stop journalists no. from coming and giving him that negative press. Because it's when he gets the negative press, it feeds back into this loop. If he gets press, period, it feeds back into his loop. He can... Like, look, you can get any coverage you want, if, and as an opinion generator, you you are then able to spin that in yes. however, in whatever manner you please, right? That's allowed. He, that's what he does. Fair enough. But others are allowed equally to take up contention with how that was spun and what parts of it were taken out of context or recontextualize in, in, inaccurately, yeah. should that be the case. Everything that I get accused of for jumping into this, oh, are you white knighting? You cuck. And uh, you know what? Yeah. I am not her white knight. I am here looking out for myself. Yeah. I do not want to be, and I will not be, a prop mm -hmm. in Ezra's or anyone's political theatrics. So I am not... I'm I'm done with making fun of this stuff. Yeah, I I I don't have any humor about this. Like it's disgusting. It's gross. Using this young woman as collateral damage. Yeah, and and he can't legitimately discount the possibility of this turning into something real and physical. I mean, it's already real. Like to have the you know, to, to, like it, it makes me sick that as a by way of introduction to this industry, the cost of a young person doing her job. While yeah. she's in school doing some reporting for an AM station, is that her name now on Google is going to yeah. like is associated with she's a liar, a scum sucker. It's, that itself is a damage. When he went from this ironic distance of like, oh well, let's find the real killer. Mm -hmm. I've got a thousand dollar bounty to find this death threat, mm -hmm. and very quickly that was about it. No, I think she's a liar. And uh, he started to tag his yeah. tweets about her fake news. Yeah. Now it was only weeks ago uh -huh. that fake news came to our consciousness as something that. <sighs> proven by data, yeah. it was an inordinately right-wing phenomenon that mm -hmm. benefited Trump. So what we're seeing here is it's, it's like everything in Canada. The playbook has been written by Breitbart. The rebel is following it. Mm -hmm. And I know what's happening. There is another side of this story, however, that the other thing that we saw in the United States, and thanks probably mostly in part to the fact that there are no local papers anymore, is that the core um, complaints of a large constituency may not have been represented in the media the way they should have been. Let's just say. Absolutely. Okay? And that's true in Canada, too. And that too. is true in Canada. The, 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 the overlap between Ezra's message and some of what Canada Land points out, right. the media has been failing Canadians. Sure. And Western Canadians are especially, like, like the, the, the endorsements that came through post-media to those electorates going completely against their wishes. Right. They, they have been treated shabbily. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that that's a powerful message to say the media Absolutely. is not doing their job. Absolutely. Canada Land needs but but. You know, there's a very different objective. Absolutely, there's a different. Play. And I'm seeing, yes. I'm seeing a uh, a dangerous. Like I, I, I think that they are a dangerous organization.
Okay, well, that was fun and spirited. Mm-hmm. And uh, now let us uh, take a moment to note duly right. some things that have popped across our feeds Okay. this past week. Yes. Colin? Shall I go first? Please. Okay. So on the front page of the Globe and Mail, there's a picture of Gord Downey looking very emotional. And there is another man standing with him who is an Aboriginal leader. Uh, and the caption says, Gord Downey weeps during an honoring ceremony at the Assembly of First Nations Special Chiefs Assembly in Gatineau, Quebec. There was a follow-up story on A8 in the on the front section uh, with another photograph attached to it with uh, Gord Downey and uh, Prime Minister Trudeau. And again, two other people in the photo who are abor- Aboriginal. One was uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould, who's uh, a minister. And again, the caption did not name the... Uh, Aboriginal people in the photo, but just Justin Trudeau and Gord Downey. I mean, in the first picture, Gord Downey and this Aboriginal leader who I'm like, I mean, right now, I'm, we're just calling this the Aboriginal leader. Let's Yeah, let's be honest. I don't know who he is. Usually when you have two people in a photograph on the front page of the newspaper, you would tell us who both of them are. Well, yeah, so this is, this is uh, I mean, this is part of the conversation. Like, look, putting together a newspaper is difficult. You do it late in the day and you kind of work with what you have. So in this case, potentially the photographer also did not know who this person was and sent in the photo as with a caption that this is, Gord this is the Globe and Mail. It, it, this was a public event on right. stage. Downey was being celebrated. Right. You could find out the name of right. the human being. So the point this the point is that like this is not necessarily about the Globe and Mail to me. I mean it is in, in this exact in this particular sense, like this specific example, sure. But in a larger sense, when when we all talk about what Gord Downey is doing and he's bringing all this attention to uh, indigenous issues, et cetera, et cetera, and we're like, isn't this great? And he should be hailed, blah, blah, blah. And then the people who are actually, the people who he is talking about are literally ignored by one of the nation's largest publications, whether, surely, probably not intentionally, but the, the fact is that when indigenous people in this country say, look, you know, we are routinely ignored by the, the establishment. Well, they're correct in this instance. It, it, they are entirely ignored. Was it up to somebody for, from the Global Mail to look up those people's names? I don't know. Maybe they have a policy of that. I have no idea. Maybe it's like, they just name the most famous people in it and then they just go with it. I don't know. But the larger issue remains that if we're actually going to heed all these messages that Downey has been putting out in the last few months, it sort of starts here. It starts with stuff like this. Like, let us take the time to find out who the indigenous people are with him in this photo and put them front and center as much as him in this story. But as you would with any other human being. This is in my point. Yes. It's not special treatment. Right. This and is it, my point. Like you could almost like the only way this stuff is getting on the front page is if Gord Downey makes it his like dying mission to right. bring attention to yes. it. And even if that happens and they're there with it him still on the front happen. page, we won't write the yeah. person's name. I mean I think as a, as a as an industry, you have to be aware more than probably more than ever of the structures that uh, you you sort of reinforce through your work, whether you're doing it on purpose or not. Like sort of something like this, maybe take the time. Duly noted. Duly noted. I'm going to talk about uh, a moral stand that uh, the Obama administration has made. The United States will be curtailing some of their some of their uh, sales of arms to Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia is in this illegal war in Yemen and they've killed 10,000 people. Stephen Chase, who was on the show talking about his reporting on Canada supplying arms to the Saudis, reports further following up on his stuff that uh, we won't be doing that. We are going to continue to supply the Saudis with light armored vehicles, which also, thanks to Stephen Chase, we know have been used to kill 
people in Yemen. You must have worked with Jerry Butts. Yes. Some other people. There. A lot, a lot of great people you probably worked with who uh, who took a, a really strong and I think principled stand against uh, what the conservatives were doing in their relationship with the Saudis. And uh, anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> well, I will. I won't. I will not comment directly. You don't got to say nothing. Yeah, Colin. that. All I want to hear you say is duly noted. <laughs> duly noted. This episode is brought to you by AG1. Listen, taking care of your health is not always easy, but it should at least be simple. That is why for months now, I start every day by drinking AG1. I take a scoop of this green powder, I mix it in a canister with water, shake it up, and I drink it. I get hydrated and I get energized and focused and ready to take on the day knowing that I have vitamins, minerals pre and probiotics, and a lot more. These are things that science tells us we need. They are also things that I don't necessarily get every day outside of my AG1. Listen, if there's one product that I'm going to recommend that will help you elevate your health, it's AG1. And that is why I have been partnered up with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try it now, and you'll get a free welcome kit that includes a shaker bottle, canister, a metal scoop, along with five free travel packs. You'll get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 along with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. That is drinkag1.com slash CanadaLand. Check it out. Okay, before we continue, this episode is also brought to you by Giftogram. The clock is ticking down. You haven't done it yet. You haven't bought all the gifts you need to. And the, and the, the, the longer it waits, guys, the worse it's going to get at the mall. You don't want to leave this to the last minute. And you don't have to go to the mall because Giftogram exists. This is an app for your Android or iPhone. You download it. They curate the gifts for you. They're pretty fantastic. And the revolutionary thing here is just how damn simple it is to give a gift. It's like three clicks. You pick the gift, you open up your contacts, and you pick the person you want to send it to. They take it from there. They get an email saying that you've bought them a gift and they fill in the blanks about where they want the gift to be shipped to. Here is the good part for everybody to pay attention to. They are giving you $20. They know that you're going to spend a lot more than $20 this holiday season and they are convinced that if you use Giftogram, you're going to use Giftogram for a lot of stuff. So they're willing to take the hit. There are gifts on Giftogram for $24. If you use the offer code CanadaLand, that's a $4 gift. They're basically just putting $20 in your pocket. There's no reason not to do this. Download Giftogram on your iPhone or Android. Use the gift code CanadaLand. Okay, this links back, Colin, uh, to our first conversation. Mm -hmm. It's an article that you wrote. On article. On article. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on launching Thank article. You. My magazine. Please support us on Patreon. Your new online magazine. <laughs> yeah. Um, where pe people can go to the to article by going to? Articlemag.ca. Okay. Yep. Your piece is titled, What is the Point of Political Journalism in the Post-Truth World? Yep. So I think it speaks directly to what we were saying before. But uh, I, I want to ask you just like very specifically, mm. why should journalists not retweet Donald Trump? Because sometimes you got a sick burn yeah. or you can prove that he's lying. Yeah. And there's always a good reason. It's and, worked so far. And he's the president. <laughs> I guess what I'm about to say just, yeah, he's the president-elect. How are you going to ignore the things he says? Right. Why should we not retweet and comment on what he says on Twitter. In in a nutshell, because your data is being scraped every time you do that. The more that you retweet Trump, the more a third party, which is the continually tra trawling Twitter and scraping its data, can model that into a picture of you. It sort of gets back to the fake news thing. 
fake news. Uh, we were all convinced in the first weeks after the election that fake news had played this role in the election by being a very overt persuasive persuasion tool, right. right? That like people read this stuff, they believed it, and then they went and voted against their interests or whatever, right? And they were like, well, I'm convinced that the Pope endorsed Donald Trump. It's good enough for me. Vote. Actually, what happened is a bit more than that. So that was one level. A level below, uh, there's a there's a guy down in the States, he's a professor, and he's sort of looking into this, and he's done some rudimentary research. His basic conclusion is that one level below that, uh, the fake news sites that people were spreading around were not necessarily just about that. They were about collecting data, third-party companies that sell data to advertisers. Who's the third party? Who are we talking so about? So third parties are, are these are companies that set up that they they basically track your cookies. So when you go to a site, uh, there's a little code in your browser that there's, tells the website you were there. That's used to be able to tell the website who you are and to tell advertisers who you are so that they can target ads to you. So the more you go to a site like Amazon, for instance, and you click around, the more you're going to see an Amazon ad for the stuff you clicked on later on. Sure. If I look at a pair of boots, those same boots pop up in my Facebook. Correct. Yeah. In the same vein, you can build a... a behavioral model of the people who visit sites. You can decide what to sell them, but you can also decide to sell them a political message if you wanted to. So, and you've seen this from the inside, the behavioral modeling is how politics is done. Behavioral modeling, modeling is, yeah, I mean, like that's how modern campaigns collect data. That's what they use it for. They want to know who uh, is going to pay attention to what message and who whose Facebook feed they should you know, target ads to at what time. In the United States, on DirecTV for a couple of years now, you can sell a political ad within a specific time to a specific household, to a specific user. So it, I saw something where somebody actually uh, messaged their ex by buying an ad on DirecTV. Because the, the, because the ex had cut them off from every platform, right. and they were able to just like actually sell an ad right. that went only to that person's house. There you go, right? Like so, so the so the, the takeaway generally is that like the fake news sites that were set up are riddled with these third parties, basically that collect cookies and sell that data to sell advertising. They're not just making money off of the click and the advertising; Correct. they're also selling the data. Well, piggybacking onto this site uh -huh. are all these things that sell the data to political. Uh, companies or companies that would use that data to sell to political com to political parties in order to target messaging. Does that make so sense? by reading a bunch of uh, political news sites, mm -hmm. I'm putting my name into a bucket of people who is I'm I'm now receptive to a certain political message Correct. that gets sold to a political party that yep. makes it easier for them to target me Correct. and get me to the polls. Yes. How does that make me retweeting Donald Trump a bad thing? So the same thing happens kind of on Twitter, and the more that you retweet. Donald Trump, the more that people notice who's retweeting you and what messages you're collecting, and they it's all building a better profile of you continually. They may, so they may they be building a profile of Trump critics. Correct. Right. Right. And then that gets used for for whatever you whatever. want, like for for all kind for what for whatever people want to buy it to use it for. It's not necessarily that you're going to be sold a bunch of right wing ads or that you're suddenly going to be, uh, you know, targeted as a Trump supporter or whatever, but it. Basically, is that like you need to have a clearer idea of where your data is going, whatever you do online, right? If you retweet someone, you're not just innocently retweeting. You are 
putting your name into a box, basically. So a retweet is not an endorsement, but it is a marketing yeah, it tactic that can be used, third parties. It can be used to, to market Okay, stuff this is you. terrifying and useless knowledge because it's almost <laughs> like saying, uh, you know, don't engage with Ezra with this stuff because you're feeding yeah. the trolls. Oh, because you don't engage with it and he destroys somebody and and, and the, the atmosphere gets worse and worse. You're sort mm-hmm. of damned if you do, damned if you don't. How do you engage in a public conversation where like surreptitiously aside from the content and the context of your message the very fact that you're interacting with this yeah uh could be used for purposes that i mean look, contrary to your own political yeah. or, or ideological you are kind of damned if you do or damned if you don't but the point is not to stop necessarily if you don't want to the point is that you should just be aware of what's going on and be clear about when you choose to do these things and not like i mean you, to just randomly retweet donald trump is only helping him it's doing two things. It's it's dominating the conversation, right? It's it's spreading his message and uh, and sort of pushing away other news outlets as forms of information, and it's you know making you more susceptible to direct marketing. Yeah. So if you're cool with that, have yeah, it. Yeah, it's fine. But look, like I mean, I think the thing is that like I'm almost sort of endorsing never use Twitter. Like never tweet is like a great piece of advice. No, it's not because. But in in some ways it kind of is because like let's say okay okay Jesse let's say that you retweet Ezra Levant or someone you hate with a snide comment or an attack what happens they are destroyed by the sheer force of my rhetorical yeah, and brilliance clearly everybody will just suddenly be convinced by your argument your your argument is what point discourse what point conversation no i'm not saying that i'm saying what point discourse on twitter you know this derision towards twitter it's just a sentence machine i know but the problem no it's not just a sentence machine it's really not yeah. that's the problem I is hear that you. like I hear you. you can't just say like oh whatever it's just twitter like it doesn't matter we just had an entire conversation about why it matters no it, ma- it matters because ideas and sentences i do think that right. sentences and words matter yes but that's why i feel it matters but not because under the hood there's uh <laughs> This like nightmare, you know. Yeah, uh, I think marketing so, machinery. I would say in the same. Okay, like my argument would be like you just had an ad at the beginning of the show for uh, a service that hides your uh, IP address, right? Yes. That makes sure that your data is secure when you're using a a, a wireless connection you don't know about. So let's say you're in Starbucks, for instance. Correct. Oh, you mean Tunnel Bear? Tunnel Bear. Yeah, whatever it's called. There are others like it, but let's say that one. Sure. Tunnel why Bear. Why do you want to use that? Why, why would one use that? Yeah, to make sure your data is secure. Yes. Why wouldn't you think the same thing when you're using Facebook or Twitter? Why would you think like, oh, well, whatever, like, I don't care. My my data is not going anywhere here. Well, I think that when people conceive of a threat w- w- by which they would be using a VPN, mm-hmm. it's because they are personally feeling liable to fraud. Fair. Uh, or they're, they're feeling personally on the hook for whatever behavior sure. they're doing. Right. That is different than, I mean, I, I think that, that the the, lo- the larger, like now, like over a decade long conversation is that we have yet to make a compelling case to people as to what it costs them. Right. To be a part of a marketing machinery, to have their data, right. you know, anonymized right. um, in so, the hands of, of other companies. So, so People the argument, don't see the, the liability. Right. The argument that I would make and have made is that if this truly is an information-based economy, the only thing you have that's of any value is your information. So why are you giving it away for free? It's been like a month now since reality just became a Black Mirror <laughs> episode. But no, seriously, like... And I made this point earlier. It's in, gotten a little but, bit normal. Like this, yeah. this episode would be a very weird episode but like, two months ago. Yeah, listen. Like if you're if you were let's say a voter for, let's say your your issue in the in the U.S. election was, oh well, my economic uh, 
I'm being my, like the economy has crashed around me and I have no power economically anymore. But all you do is spend time retweeting garbage and going on to these crazy websites that are full filled with fake news. You're only undermining your power more because you're literally giving away the only thing that counts as cash, which is your information. Why would you do that? Why would you do that without knowing or without realizing the consequences of that action? By giving away your information, you're becoming less economically important. That's your Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it. You can reach me by email at jesse at canadalandshow.com and I will read what you send me and respond when I can. We are on Twitter at Canada Land. Colin, where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter at CF Organ. At uh, articlemag.ca. It's a hard thing to start a magazine these days. So go check it out. Thanks. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. If you haven't listened to The Imposter this week, there is an amazing interview with Owen Pallett. Check that out. I make this show with Katie Jensen. Syndication of Candleland is handled by Russell Gregg. If you like what we do, please support us. Thank you.